When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello there. It's time for Most Things Kenobi. Hi everyone. Welcome to another episode of Most Things Kenobi, a podcast about Obi-Wan Kenobi and all things Star Wars. I'm your host, Leanne. And I'm your host, Lauren. And this week, Cassie and Andor took his shirt off. <laughs> he did. And I have been able to think of nothing else. <laughs> Same. <laughs> we hate to be those bitches. I had no idea you were going to start with that thing. God bless you. Oh, sorry. I, I just pulled that right out there. Surprise. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, we're talking about Andor Episode 7, correct? Yes. That was all I remember from the episode. <laughs> Same. That was it. No, there were important parts in this episode that we're going to go over because we have fucking feelings about all of them. Um, I felt a lot of emotion in this episode. I went through several phases. Yeah. I was sad during much of it. I was really sad. Yeah, it was sad. And I was also confused, which you and I talked about privately. Mm-hmm. Not my confusion, but the episode. <laughs> We talk about my confusion separately all the time. We had a talk. (laughs) Okay, so tell me about some of the parts that had you feeling emotions. Because, like we said, there were plenty. And I have my thoughts. I'm sure we'll have similar thoughts. Yeah. I feel like anything I pick, I don't want to minimize anything. Like, the whole episode felt important. But I really started to feel like I might unravel during Cassian's flashbacks when he was running through the town square. Oh, God. And and what you posted on Instagram. I know. Oh, my God. And I didn't even think uh, of that. Someone it posted neither. it on Tumblr, and it just hit me in the solar plexus. And it was the Saw Gerrera reference. One man with a sharp stick can save the day. Yes. And nothing right? left Is to that lose. The quote? Yeah. With nothing left to lose can steal the day or and something. They and they posted was... that with a picture of Cassian as a teenager holding that pipe up, like, charging the troopers and i was just that's oh Mm. see that's what makes star wars great right there yeah that kind of shit that particularly made me sad because i thought maybe clem was doing something with the rebellion or like you know whatever the precursor to the rebellion was obviously because it didn't really fully exist yet it turns out he was trying to stop people from throwing stones at a soldier or at a, a group of soldiers so he was an innocent bystander who was actually trying to do a good thing. He was being a good Samaritan. He was. Like, I feel like crying just talking about it. It's too tragic. It's a product of a greater symptom that the Empire is like, shoot first, ask questions second. If they'd have just taken some time, just any time at all, to evaluate the situation beyond a first glance, they would have seen that he wasn't the rebel rouser that they thought. And... A life could have been spared. 
But it wasn't. It was made an example for absolutely no reason at all. And it was the wrong example. Yeah. It was a needless death, as so many of them are under the Empire's reign. And look at how many lives it affected. It affected Cassian, obviously. It affected the entire town. And it affected Marva. And that Mm -hmm. was the part where I felt the most emotion in the entire episode because... When she said that she finally had enough courage to walk through that part of the street where they hung that man and shot him. Yes. The personal, oh, just the strength. You know what that's like? Where you have a thing, but then you get over that thing, and it's such a triumph to you. Yeah. But nobody else knows about it. Fiona Shaw's performance was, I just, I felt it. She's real. When she said... And he's like, but I'm going to think about you every day. I'm going to worry about you. And her delivery of the line was like, well, that's just love. What can we do about that? Mm-hmm. It was so beautifully written. Yeah. And like, I felt that. There's nothing you can do about that. No, that's just love. He loves her. She loves him. It's just love. That's nothing to be ashamed of. And she was proud of him. She understood it because... She loves him, too. Oh, God. And then there's emo, (laughs) which I don't want to talk about because I'm too fragile. But Marva is an incredibly strong woman. And it's and it's kind of a dichotomy to her having to use a cane. And she's she's given the image of frailty. But no, she's a tough bitch. Yes. Like I would walk behind her anywhere because her spirit. I don't know. She that whole thing moved me. In ways that I was not expecting. Me too. And it's such an unexpected scene. The writing is like, it's so special because nine times out of ten, Cassian would be like a rebellious kid and his mom loves him, but God damn it, do they butt heads. And they don't. Mm -hmm. Like he Mm -hmm. loves her. She loves him. There's no, it's, he says like, I don't understand, but it's never like, well, go to hell then. I'm doing what I want. You know, it's like they right. didn't know. Once again, they don't send the scene into a place that most writers would send it. They they keep it on this like humane side where it's it's so real. Like these are like real mm-hmm. conversations that you would see between two people who cannot be on the same path anymore, but still like really love each other. And he's, like she said, you can't stay and I can't go. We're just at this crossroads. That hit me. <laughs> I, me too. And like, I'm feeling emotional just thinking about the scene now because both of their performances were just so truthful and it makes me feel a lot of, a lot of emotions. <laughs> Without a doubt, everything you said is, is correct. But I just loved also the, the flicker of a moment. And this, this is, goes straight to Diego Luna's ability to act and his facial range of acting. When she's talking kind of hurriedly about, did you hear about Aldani or, you know, the, the, the siege or whatever they did? And, mm-hmm. and that's what we need more of. And, and for a second, it looked like Cassian was going to, like, be ashamed of it. But then he realized Marva was proud of what happened. And there was, like, mm-hmm. almost a, surpi- a pr- surprised smirk. Like, he wanted to, like, tell her. Yeah. Yes. I don't know how many times they, they filmed that. But it, it like that came so easily. It looked like it came easily to Diego Luna, but he was going through so many emotions in that moment. He wasn't even talking because she wouldn't kind of let him in to mm-hmm. talk. And then he made that little like almost bashful like, "Oh man, I had something to do with that," and she's proud of that. Like it was yeah. all in his face all at once. And what an incredible 
incredible scene. I know. Both honestly, both those actors just blow my fucking mind. Because she's it's the, so the way good. when she said the line, it's probably doomed, but I'm too old and I don't care. Yes. It's so believable the way they both just together i don't know these two actors are not people i would ever have pictured doing scenes together and they are so perfect and i loved also to your point that fiona doesn't cry but she gets there she shakes her voice wobbles like her arms shake or she's like she's trying to hold it in or something and it's building but she doesn't let it creep out yeah. And then her eyes are watery, but she's not in full crying mode. Yeah. Because she's tough. She, this is a woman we don't know much about, but I know one thing is she is tough. What we see in this scene speaks such volume for the entire Star Wars franchise. From the trilogy, the original trilogy, to Rebels, Clone Wars, prequels, sequels, everything. The theme of they take everything away from you and all you want is control of something. Yes. And in Marva's case, she wanted control to just walk around that corner where they hung her husband. Mm-hmm. And now she's too old to care, right? But she wants control to go out the way she wants, not to have them dictate how she's going to live or she's not going to escape. She's going to stay right there. And some would say that's foolish, but when it's that white knuckle gripped by the Empire and they're closing in on all sides, I think it's brave. To stand your too. ground, you know what I mean? And I think it shows uh, an enlightenment that, because Cassian mm-hmm. says, like, you can live under that. And she says, they can't take away what's in my mind. Yes. Yes. That, to me, was like life goals. <laughs> we, <laughs> you know? we have to remember that. Yeah. The, the parallel where she says, tell me you understand. And he says, I don't. Jin's uh-huh. father uh-huh. says... Tell me you understand. Yes. And she says, I understand, Papa. And he gives him a hug. And it's just yeah. like, in the book, in the Rogue One book, it says she says, I understand, even though she doesn't. She doesn't mm-hmm. actually understand. But she that's what her father wants to hear. So she says it. And again, another example of Jin and Cassian having just like completely parallel existences. They're space twins. In the way that you and I are. <laughs> across are. the miles. You know what I mean? They are. They have like the same background and the same outlook on life. And then they both change in the same way. It's amazing. I'm eating this shit up. It's keeping me alive. (laughs) (laughs) And then he took his shirt off. (laughs) Yes. And then I died. (laughs) It kept me alive until it killed me dead. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we didn't get it with Kenobi. But I'll take the crumbs they threw at us with Diego Luna in a shower. And his fluffy hair. Yeah, dear lord. And he, like, he buffed up. He did. He's not always that muscular, so that was very Those biceps were large, and he's a small dude. He is, yeah. And, like, even in Rogue One, there was some picture, like, behind the scenes picture I saw of him where he had just, like, a tank top on. Mm -hmm. He has no muscles like this. This was like a very deliberate decision, and I am very grateful to the Star Wars people. <laughs> well, I mean, Ewan was training, and he got all buff, and then he didn't take his shirt off. No. The fuck? Well, I mean, he was in the back to tank, but that's not sexy That doesn't, all. no, that doesn't, no. That's not what we had in mind. I mean, no, we'll take it, but you mis- you misunderstood the assignment. Yes, Anakin with his robe in the bedroom where he takes it 
and put slips it on and his entire ab package is on display with yeah, that metal arm. To be totally like vapid and vacant, look, they hire some of the most beautiful men on the planet for this Star Wars universe. Like, they only put Carrie Fisher in a gold bikini. Yes. So, correct. C- come on. Equity. They've got some. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. They've got some making up to do. They've got some ground to cover here to make up for. But that all aside, yes. we'll get to that scene because it was my least favorite. And mm-hmm. I don't mean the shirtless, but it was part of the, the my least favorite. We have yeah. a lot of ground to cover as far as let's go to our queen. Not yes. Marva, but queen. What's her name? I'm. Mon Mothma. Mon Mothma. Marva Mothma. Because, Ugh. oh my God. So good. I'm like speechless. The scene. Her performance. Oh. Genevieve. Flawless. Perfect. I, if I could emulate that at any work function, just smile. Remember to smile. Smile. Don't oh forget to smile. Oh my God. I loved every fucking second. You want to talk about real? That's real life shit. Yes. She's got people crawling all around her. Her husband's lingering and listening and, and creeping. And you don't know who to trust. And she's trying to test her bestie from back in the day to see if she, she can trust him. And even so, I was like, be careful. Be careful. You don't know. Yeah. And she was. I mean, she even she said, she's like, I'm not going to answer your question. Yeah. I had one of the best pieces of dialogue ever. And it was the kind of thing where it makes you like hate yourself because you didn't come up with it yourself. Well, she said <laughs> a writer's a writer's problem. <laughs> yeah. But she said, if I show you the rock in my hand, you'll miss the knife at your throat. Yes. Yes. And that Palpatine taught her that. I was just like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. That was, that was essentially everything he did. Yes. All through the Clone Wars. Palpatine. Yeah. And that Being she's. Being a Palpatine. <laughs> she's wise to it and using it. Oh my God. I just, everything about her is so interesting and brilliant and scary. Like I fear for her, even though we know she ends up in Return of the Jedi, but it's like something horrible is going to happen. (laughs) Yeah. How does she get from there to here? So I mentioned to you that I understood, this is how I interpreted it. I could be way the fuck off. I interpreted her talking to her bestie. I don't remember his name, but you know. I don't either. Dude from Shandrilla. When she referred to her husband, I got the sense that she is plotting to kill the man or have him removed. He will no longer be an issue, we'll say. Mm-hmm. Did you get that? Because you said to me in, in, when, you, when I told you that, you're like, oh, I didn't even think of that. No, I don't think so because she's so moral. Oh, but if you stare at the rock in her hand, she, you're going <laughs> to miss the knife at her husband's throat. True, true. But I think... I think what I got from the scene is that she doesn't trust him at all and she's using him as a cover and protection from the Empire. Okay, so I went way overboard. (laughs) (laughs) I I jumped right off that rock. (laughs) I mean, what was it about it that made you think that? I'm open to having my mind changed because I I hate her husband. (laughs) You saw the way they filmed it. She and, and the friend are sitting on the couch and the positioning of her husband and that, that hallway, that arched hallway, mm-hmm. and her husband and the, the guests that he was speaking to were dead center, mm-hmm. right? And I took it as a symbol of like, he's in the middle of everything she's trying to do. And she's, she has to, she's playing it smart. She knows he's in on it. She knows he's, he's watching her. She, so she's got to get rid of him. 
Like sometimes yeah. her ruthlessness isn't what you expect. Like perhaps my politics could be a little strong for you, strong yeah. for your taste. I suppose. I mean, that's true. That's a good point. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, because what she was saying to her friend implied that it was all financial, that she was trying to like have access to her funds, which I'm assuming. Oh, like, sure. Yeah. How did she not, since they're her own families, does it have something to do with her marriage or something to do with the empire? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, I, can I totally don't, see it. I am fully invested, honestly, in every mm-hmm. single plot line that's going on in this show. I have a vested interest now. Like I, I'm. Oh, I'm, I'm all in on Mon Mothma, and I am all in on Deidre in the yes. Empire. Oh my Laying god! Laying the fucking smackdown on her counterpart. There, she came prepared, and the way they filmed it with her getting her suit on and tightening the collar, yes. and tightening the belt, and walking with purpose. Oh, I loved that. It was I fucking loved every great. Second of that. So I saw somebody posted something that said, um, like, it had the picture of two sets of fans and one was, like, clapping and one was, like, cheering, like, standing up cheering. And they're like, we want lightsaber battles. And then they're like, no, we want ISB conference room meetings. And yes. Like, yeah. yes. <laughs> That's the real battle, everybody. Seriously. You have to be well trained to take someone down in that room and Holy gain respect. Shit. Yes. Right? I think it's one million percent proof. That we are much more satisfied by the story-driven than the action-driven TV shows or movies. I mean, the fact that we're literally watching a conference room of people. It's like we're watching a corporate meeting, and I couldn't look away. It was so good. It was so good. Yes, and you do know that was Yalaren. I didn't until you said it. I did fucking (laughs) no clue. Yalaren. That kind of breaks my heart a bit. It makes me really sad. It makes me really sad. You see him on the bridge with Anakin in the Clone Wars and everyone's fine and, you know, and then there he is restricting everything and taxing everyone and being a dick. And it's like, how did we get here? Yeah. Oh, right. Palpatine. (laughs) Yeah. I I guess what choice does he have, right? It's the kind of thing where Mm. you you change allegiances to keep yourself alive, I guess. But... He seemed to be enjoying himself, and that's that he believed what he was saying was the right thing, you know, that to tighten the grip and punish people for their infractions. Yeah, I just, that was really sad. That was really sad. I I hate seeing that. I hate seeing what they once were and then what they became, you know? But it was, it was also cool to see after that scene, Deidre saying they're playing into the rebels hands by doing this she's so smart how does how does she know all this stuff question mark oh man i'm was she a part of it at one point or she i don't know because they imply she came from somewhere else like maybe local police or something and like entered the Mm. isb that way but so she's just real good well and somebody on our um patreon group was saying that they find themselves rooting for her which i do too which ultimately it's like Isn't but she's strange she's gonna be the one to like take down the people we love so it's very interesting how they're playing all these perspectives and like i said i'm invested in all of them they all have yeah. their own what they perceive as their own legitimate point of view and the writers are able to make me see their point of view every single time it's really good I'm starting to have 
theories on how they're going to start tying their plot lines together. Because right now they're so disparate that like they're convert. I can't see how they'll converge. There seems to be tension between Luthen and Mon Mothma. And Mm -hmm. then there's the stuff going on with the ISB. And then they're intercutting Cyril in there. Yes, let's go back to Luthen and, and Mon Mothma. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I found this very, very interesting. You said it. Mon Mothma is obviously a very uh, more patient, long game, slow, methodical, and he is willing to risk it all to get money fast to bust open the door that the rebellion is happening. Look at us. What's interesting is that Luthen, his thinking worked, right? It got the Empire to to be more strict, which then helps them out in a way, you know, they explained. Mm -hmm. Mon Mothma has her doubts. But I thought it was very interesting that he was already one step ahead of the Empire. Yeah, he was like forcing their hand because he... Yeah, which I... Have we ever seen that? No, and I think that that could be a moment that's kind of lost because literally him doing that sets the foundation for all the rest of Rogue One and the original trilogy and everything that comes after because he formed the structure of the rebellion by doing this. And if Mon Mothma had had her way, they might have had an entirely different kind of rebellion. And it may have come at the cost of building and completing and losing more planets than Alderaan to the Death Star. Right. Like, it could have been more tragedy. I mean, the whole thing is tragic, but I got to give Luthen credit for seeing that far in advance what this would do and how it would help them. And... God damn it, kudos. Uh, again, Skarsgård, amazing. Amazing performance. Oh Love him. In that scene, to be going back and forth between smiling and oh, like talking very intensely. So and hard. Oh, so talented. I, I just, and, and, and Mothma, she stayed turned away from the driver because the driver's in on it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And every time he, t- every time Luthen turned towards my Mothma, he had a smile and was talking, quote unquote, Yes. About the object in case there was lip reading. Because, you know, those guys are all trained in that. It's crazy. It's fucking crazy. (laughs) It's so crazy. I have a question for you. So. Yeah, what's up? His flower cutter or whatever, like his assistant, is the one who went to meet Vel out in the middle of Coruscant, which I loved seeing that walking around the city. I didn't know. I didn't know that was her. Yeah, I wasn't sure at first. And then I was like, is it her twin sister like yeah i was like completely i was lost for the first like 30 seconds of her strut through coruscant and then i was like oh oh i get it okay well then she meets up with vel who i've heard people say they didn't know it was her until she spoke because she looked so different and she looks she looks wealthy she looks like a refined woman so it'd be very interesting to see where she is in the uh, hierarchy you know in Coruscant but their conversation was kind of interesting because some people were saying that they thought they looked like sisters I thought that I thought yeah they were they didn't make it clear and I was looking for like any kind of like hidden language there and I I didn't pick up on anything there was implication kind of that Luthen is Vel's father sort of yes sort of because she said like i really expected him to be here as if exactly i mean that's not something like a teammate says right or like someone who hires you 
Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, you do it quietly, you get it done, you disappear, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, it implies some sort there. of connection. Exactly. Then I was kind of wondering, the first time I listened to it, it kind of sounded like Luthen's assistant. It almost sounded like she was maybe diverging from Luthen, like going behind his back. I wasn't sure if I read that scene correctly. Because of her implication in removing or getting rid of Cassian? Kind of that, yeah. And something something she said about the money. I don't know. And like, this is what a rebellion looks like. Almost like Luthen isn't going far enough. But I'm not sure I read that correctly because the next time I watched it, I was like, well, now I'm not sure what the hell she's talking about. Well, I thought it was a little extreme that she went that route. Um, I also thought it was very nice that Vel asked about Cinta. Oh, yeah. Who's still there, by the way. She hasn't gotten off of Aldani yet. Yeah. And that goddamn Star Destroyer is creeping. And if you heard the wireless that Luthen was listening to, they're saying that all those tribes people, the, the Dani or whatever they're called, that they're now being held for questioning. The local populace is being treated badly because it seemed mm-hmm. like they were in on it with the rebels. Like, it started to really hit me how even the people who worked at the dam, they were also mm-hmm. being held for interrogation by ISB. They said all of that on this wireless radio that Luthen was listening to. And it's like, even the people that had nothing to do with it, there's con- consequences. The people who are actually opposed to it are experiencing consequences. It's just like a ripple effect. So even though like it must be done, you know, the rebellion must happen if you want to break this empire, it's going to destroy innocent bystanders there's going to be a lot of collateral damage and that it's again that question that we come upon all the time in star wars does the end justify the means well you could also look at it this way they're either going to be destroyed by the empire anyway or used and destroyed in your point uh the means justifying the ends which i don't know if there is a good answer for that i don't know if there ever is there's there's never going to be uh no casualties right when it comes to fighting for something of this grandeur of this size of this magnitude yeah it's a shame because that was probably the last eye that those natives will ever see because of this yeah i and i hate that i hate that i hate how it ties into the history of our own planet and society and what we've done to to native tribes and cultures yeah there's just no good answer to any of it. Right. But I, I honestly, to go back to your question about the two, the the dark-haired and Vel, I get the sense that they know each other better than just teammates. I would, I, I just got the sense, are they sisters? Yeah. Because they're talking like they're both, they both know a lot. They're both not saying a lot. And they're both very connected to uh, Luthen, which... I always wondered in the beginning, in the first few episodes, why does he trust this girl so much? What well, would make sense if this girl was his daughter too? Yes, I've to had that thought there, too. You know, and she could dye her hair so they don't look related or something. And he wears that wig, and yeah, they're all, all just, just wearing wigs. <laughs> yeah, the weaves in Coruscant <laughs> cannot be beat. <laughs> the best of the best. Yes. Well, I mean, they're all just trying to be Padme. <laughs> At the right. end of the day, <laughs> right. Good trying luck. and failing. 
Yeah, exactly. Padme and Kenobi, big shoes to fill for hair. So yeah, Uh. or big wigs to fill. I don't know. But um, so (laughs) when she was going through Coruscant, she stopped on that little chalk mark on the floor. Yes, yes. yes. Some people have said, is that Red Dawn or something like that? Do you know what that is? I've never even heard of that. I do not know. That is not something I had considered. Oh. Crimson Dawn, sorry. Yeah, cr- that's which, what I was. That's what I was thinking. Crimson yes, Dawn. I was yeah. like Red Dawn. I'm pretty sure it's a movie about North Korea. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, red at night is sailor's delight. Yeah. Red in the morning is sailor's warning. <laughs> <laughs> Same um, thing. <laughs> okay, so Crimson Dawn is Kira from Solo and Maul and all that Correct. shit. Yes. So right. The symbol did look enough. Like, if you were to draw the symbol in chalk, it might look like that. So I was wondering, if are they going to tie this shit together? Well, how on earth could they be tied together? Crimson Dawn was not good. Right. I so, know. But, like, <laughs> maybe financially? I don't know. Because sometimes, a lot of times in war, you fund your efforts through crime. Yeah. But, I mean, they just stole a bunch of credits from the Empire. Yeah, I mean, and, and the truth is, I think they did that more as, like, to force them to tighten their grip. Yeah, and that's that, true. And like, the money was secondary. But isn't it funny, like, one of our first episodes we were talking about, Andor, we were saying, like, Maul is out there in this universe roaming that's true. around. <laughs> we did say this. It would be so fucking crazy if he ends up in this show. I will lose my fucking shit because... I'm not prepared for this yet. I'm not either. (laughs) And they've been telling everybody, this show's not fan service. We're not doing that shit. So then if like something like that happens, I might lose my fucking mind. But (laughs) I mean, I would not be upset to see Kira again because I love me some Amelia Clark. Oh, she's awesome. And she did a wonderful job in that role. And I am still curious as to WTF, what her life is and how she's involved and all that. So maybe we'll get, I don't know. I just don't know. I don't either. Well, and there was the previous reference where Cassian said he was on Mimban, which is where mm-hmm. Solo, yeah. well, not, it doesn't start there, but Han Solo is there. I don't know. <laughs> if they're going to try and force people to like Solo, they might have trouble. <laughs> Well, no, but I could see them trying to connect. Yeah. Especially with finances. The finance thing makes the most sense. It was an interesting observation. I didn't even think to to notice the marking, but that is interesting. Uh, Speaking of prisons, Cassian gets thrown in one. Yeah, that was sudden. (laughs) This is the scene I, I liked the least. Number one, I had no idea what the fuck was going on. Was it present day? Was it a flashback? Yeah. Did it matter, like, what happened, etc.? I felt the same. Um, but then we see the K-Units. Yes. Their title. The K-Units. <laughs> the Ks start. Yeah. The K-2SO replicas. I don't... Yeah. Yeah. So he... The way they introduced <laughs> that one dragging bodies up, I said, oh, well, here we go. I mean, here we go. Because Cassian... Actually, not Cassian... K2 would actually do that willingly. Right. right. Like he would drag Jin and Cassian if he had to by the collars of their shirt if he needed to (laughs) in a later life. You know what I'm saying? So I could totally see it. I really hated 
everything about this scene. I shouldn't say hate. I, I just, it was very abrupt. It was very sudden. Yes. Mm-hmm. It was thrust at us. I, I, I spent most of the scene trying to figure out what, what exactly am I looking at? Where are we? Present day, not present day. But the interesting thing is, and I learned this from a Screen Rant video that I watched on recapping the episode, is that when they stamp Cassian's, uh, basically like his prison mm-hmm. card, mm-hmm. the Arabesh is incorrect. It's someone else's sentence. So... Really? So either it's a mistake on the filming and editing, which doesn't seem likely. Yeah. Or he got, he was given somebody else's sentencing and that will play into something in the future. Because they very, very clearly show her scraping and like stamping that thing. And it's a clear view, which they wouldn't do. On accident. You know, but on accident. Yeah. And it's somebody else's name. It's not his fake name. Force sensitive. No, it's a force sensitive individual. What? So, so the question brought up in the screen rant video. I did not come up with this on my own, but I wanted to discuss it with you and our audience because I find it. It's crazy. Why would they send any force sensitive individual to prison? They would just kill him or send him to the Inquisitors, right? That's fucking weird. What the fuck? Why? Why would they put that on the thing? The little stampy thing. That's crazy. <laughs> How did you you know that because it says on there that they're force sensitive, like right on the if card? If you interpret the Arabesh on his stamped card, it's not even his sentencing. It's not his name. And it says f- the injustice being, you know, charged is force sensitivity. Holy shit. That's crazy. That's crazy. That can't be an accident. Well, what the fuck does it mean? I mean, they showed her. She was basically... She was, like, eating pistachios or something. Yeah, pistachios. So it's like she was clearly distracted. Blah, blah, blah. Exactly. Here we go. Six-month sentence. Six years. Yeah. So I wonder if all of this, he will end up playing to his advantage, and that's how he breaks out of prison, or they all break out of prison. You know, that scene that we get with they're in their white uniforms? Yes, I'm assuming that has to do with this. Yes. I think so, too. That's crazy. Well, it also makes sense, too, that, like... Yolaren was saying that they were tripling sentences. Clearly, mm-hmm. six months to six years is not tripling a sentence. So it's no. almost like the woman and then the man who said six years, whoever that guy was off to the side, it's like they, they were like looking at different paperwork or something, you know? Yes. And that's why a even total Cassian was like, thing. six years? <laughs> yeah, and they don't even, they just, they have a line of people to get through. Let's yeah. move them through. They don't care. She's busy eating her peanuts, whatever. And like <laughs> stamp the wrong thing. Yeah. Oh, that's really interesting. I can't wait to see how that plays out. Somebody interpreted all this. It was not me. I, so. I completely agree with you on all of this, though. Like everything was super abrupt. Changing to that sequence was abrupt. And then everything within the sequence was abrupt. How he was like with a woman in bed. And then he was walking on the beach. And then suddenly was under arrest and then went to prison like it all happened in like a two minute period and like you i was like are we seeing a flashback like what the fuck is going on right here well then it went right to cyril sitting in his own prison if you will doing data entry or whatever the fuck that is i hate and so i had so much he hates uncle harlow 
whoever the fuck he is, we still don't know, did not come through. Well, he gave him the chance to clean his slate, but definitely... Which he did. Oh, my God. He did get his slate cleaned. The guy just wiped it out. Yeah. Well, they don't know about that, so let's just get rid of it. Must be nice. Why couldn't they do it for Cassian? Like, damn. Well, he doesn't have an Uncle Harlow, I guess. I love the scene between Cyril and his mother because... She's sitting there and is like, are you going to wear that? Like, what are you wearing? She's wearing yeah. almost an identical outfit I to know. him. <laughs> oh, right. Like, wow. You're going to tell me about my collar while I sit here and eat my Cocoa Puffs? What did you make of him getting up about the Aldani thing? Do you think he connected it to what went on? On Ferrix with uh, I would guess, Cassian? Yeah, like something about it triggered in his mind, but we don't know what it is yet. He is going to end up going to Deidre. He's going to find a way I, to get to her. I think you're right. I really do. I think you're right because what is he, where did they place him? Wasn't it something about fuel consumption or something like that? Maybe. He got, like, he's, his job gonna... sounds like nightmare, but... Uh, He's going to go in there and use that to his advantage and look things up. He's probably going to see something, and then he and Deidre are going to just be the perfect nightmare team up. (laughs) Yeah. People are saying, they're saying they're going to hook up and stuff. I don't see it. He's too stiff. No. And I know that she's stiff, but she she at least has, like, standards. (laughs) Honestly, she, to me, seems like the kind of woman who has no time for that anyway. No. No, she's too busy being... fabulous yes yeah (laughs) all at the same time if that bun got any tighter oh my god seriously i mean i kind of want to ask i want to ask the actress did it hurt when they pinned back if it did you'd play into it yes yes you'd be like go on pin it it back tighter (laughs) make me look surprised (laughs) (laughs) Instant facelift. <laughs> wow. <laughs> She's a beautiful woman. She has the most gorgeous eyes. And she has that perfectly stiff, like, mouth. Yes. Yes. It's like, like a, like a straight pinched, line. Yeah, it's it's like she has pucker mouth. Like, she's constantly pissed off and yep. disappointed in every. She's the perfect empire person. Yeah. She's, she's thriving is what she's doing. She's where she belongs. <laughs> She, she is she living is, her best life. She's 35 thriving with a bun that no one else could do, not even Padme herself. Oh, my God. I love her boss. I love that character. He is so interesting. When she's talking yeah. about how the sector lines don't make any sense and the rebels don't give a shit about where you draw the lines. And she's yeah. saying it right to the guy's face who drew those lines. And then he just says, thesis, please. Yes, yes. And in fact, it was like a tennis match, kind of in the way that they filmed it. Yes. Back, forth, back to the guy, then to Deidre, then to the other guy, then back to Deidre, then the other guy. Like, you know, and she counterpointed every point that was made and she had facts to back it up. She's like a lawyer. (laughs) Like, yes, she's a damn good lawyer. Uh, I loved that they made her boss intelligent enough to listen to her, even though she was insulting him. 
Because yeah. that's what makes a person like that very ruthless is that they're not blinded mm. by their anger. They're taking all the things in, they're absorbing it, and then they take the most important pieces and use it to their advantage. And he can see that she's going to be an asset and that she's not busy squabbling like the other guy who is in charge of mm-hmm. Ferrix. She's actually putting shit, like connecting dots. He says, find evidence. She finds evidence. Mm-hmm. I... I I love her character. I love and it. And then he says, watch your back. Yes. You know, little friendly advice. Yep. Watch your back. It's like, I'm pretty sure that's what they're all doing in that bastard, that that bitch of a room, you know? I also wondered, okay, I didn't catch it the first time, but the second time I watched it, they keep showing that like really pale, thin guy who has like a red mustache in these yes, I meetings. feel bad for him. I do too. He seems like he's not living his best life. <laughs> no, but I wonder if he's a spy. Oh. Because they kept saying that- Do we have a mole? <laughs> and whose mole is it? What? I'm just thinking of Austin Powers now. Are you? Mole, mole, With the mole? mole. <laughs> just when I cut it up and turn it into guacamole. <laughs> Oh man, I love that movie. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um cuz they they keep showing him even though he doesn't really do anything, but every time they show him, they're saying that like you're behind on your reports. Why aren't your detention levels up to everybody else's? Like is it because True. he's spying so he's not like paying attention to doing his work or is he just incompetent? Yeah. I don't know. It just kind of caught my attention. So That's a really good pickup. I never thought of that. I just thought they used him as like, instead of diving right into the other two main characters at the round table, they soften it with him. But but they don't do everything that. Everything is show. on purpose in yeah. this show. Exactly. Well, and to that point, somebody mentioned that Marva makes the point of saying to Cassie and stop looking for your sister, unprompted out of nowhere, and people were saying, "Yeah, that was sad." It's sad, but, like, why? Does she know what happened to his sister? They wouldn't bring it up without a reason. So I I am assuming it's because he's either going to find out what happens to her. Yeah. Some people were saying maybe he'll discover her in prison, which would be very far-fetched. Like, that would be a crazy coincidence if that happened. But I don't know. She did follow it up with saying it wasn't any of your fault. was never the kids' fault. It wasn't their fault what happened to those kids. Yeah. Which doesn't mean that they all died. Yeah. It could mean that they all got captured, imprisoned, turned into empire, whatever, slaves, yeah. something. We have no idea. So maybe she said, don't follow, don't try to find your sister because it's a dead end because you can't turn her back anyway. If you do find her, she's in a position that you're not going to like. Right. Yeah, I know. That's kind of how I I took it more that not that she's dead, but because what you discover is only going to hurt you more. I mean, they just had a conversation about what love can do. Yes. And then she says, and by the way, don't look for your sister. Right. To throw it out of there. To imply that she's dead seems too final for something that started the series. They started the series with him looking for her. He's going to end up finding her and it's not going to be good. Yes. It's just not. Well, that's the thing. We're, like, narrowing our prospects here of, like, what's going to force him to, like, really believe in the rebel cause. And I'm really scared because it's going to be, I'm sure, something terrible happening to Marva and B, which I just, I cannot 
watch it. It's gonna just fucking nope. crush me. Nope, and, I'm turning off. And or his sister. Because he says to Jin, you're not the only one who lost everything. And he hasn't lost everything yet. Not yet. <sighs> oh. Star Wars is pain. Star Wars is pain. It's so good, though. <laughs> it's really good. <laughs> Our listener questions, questions are yes. Vel and that woman related. Uh, is that the Crimson Dawn symbol? Yes. <laughs> what else do you What else yeah. do you think that we missed about this questionable scene? Not questionable, but curious scene. Yeah. Yeah. Also, is Cassian Force sensitive? Uh, is Marva gonna be okay? <laughs> Please tell us everything you think. We want to know because we want to (laughs) know. Next week's episode, holy shit, Tales of the Jedi is finally here. (laughs) We're going to talk about as much of it as we can if we can get it all in in one episode. If not, we'll split it into two. Mm -hmm. But we're going to do our best. They're short. They're bound to be amazing. And we cannot wait. Join us back next week. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Most Things Kenobi podcast. We appreciate every single one of our patrons and are grateful for your support. And they give one hell of a birthday present. Aww. (laughs) Just saying. If you would like to be part of this crew, this amazing crew, and would like to support the podcast and become a patron, head on over to the Most Things Kenobi Patreon. And as always, you can follow us on Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, And don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast player. If you enjoy it, feel free to rate us on Spotify and Apple. We appreciate it. And if you need just one place to find all of these, head over to our amazing website, mostthingskenobi.com. So until next time, my space twin, may the force be with you. Always. Always.